0: Let's stand if you're not standing. We stand for the reading of God's Word. Good to see you in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen? Let's go to the book of Luke, the 22nd chapter this morning. Read two verses. Verse 31 and 32 of St. Luke's Gospel, chapter 22. This is Jesus talking to Simon Peter and he says to him, Simon, Simon, indeed Satan has asked for you that he may sift you as wheat but i have prayed for you that your faith should not fail and when you have returned to me strengthen your brethren this morning the title is does satan need god's permission to attack a believer and uh i've never jumped on this before but i'm going to do it this morning uh the title is kind of a an oxymoron really because But I want to tell you, most Christians, uh, Google believes this. I mean, if you put it in, that's what you're going to get. Most Christians believe that God gives Satan permission at times to attack a believer. Uh, There are some that even go so far to believe that God uh, gives Satan permission or there is a permission granted for them to have a disease like cancer put upon them and all kind of things like that to happen to believers. And I want to tell you, this is not some abstract, obscure belief system. This is something that most Christians in churches this morning across this country believe that about God. They believe it. And, uh, and uh, there'll be some that will probably hear the podcast and get upset and send me, you know, their experiences of proof that God allows it. But he doesn't do that because I'm going to go after the book this morning that they use as their proof text. And that's the book of Job. And uh, so we're going to look at that this morning. Amen. Let's, let's pray. Father, we do thank you for your word. And we do thank you for the grace of God that has appeared to all men. And so we pray this morning that that grace would be made plain and clear, that you would illumine our minds, Lord, and you would rid our hearts and our thoughts of religion and things that misrepresent you and put you in a light that is not true. Lord, you said that we would know the truth, and the truth would set us free. So we declare that the truth would go forth this morning about who you are, how you are, and what you are. And I bless you today. I thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Amen. You may be seated. There are those that teach and believe that Satan needs God's permission to attack us, and, and, and they believe at times that God gives Satan that permission. And I know I grew up believing that in church because I heard it preached. And also I had read the book of Job. And it seemed to me very clear in the book of Job that that's what happened. That God did, in fact, give Satan permission to attack Job. And, uh, you, know, in, you know, I don't know if you're like me as a believer, but probably you don't spend a lot of time reading the book of Job. you got to be in a really good position to read the book of Job because I found it, you know, to me, I'm just being honest with you, Depressing. So, a very depressing book. To me, I would feel kind of depressed after reading it, confused. Obviously, I was not reading it in the proper light because God didn't put anything in his word to depress us or oppress us or, or uh, anything like that. And so if you ever have that feeling reading the Bible, you know you're reading it through the wrong lens. And I, I wanna say this again in, in, the, in the message, but let me just say it right now. How many of you have ever gone to a 3D movie and chose not to wear the 3d glasses how'd that work out for you um i've tried that a couple of times you know because the kids wanted to go to a 3d kind of movie you know and i'd say well i want to see all that stuff coming at me you know like spears or whatever they're doing and uh, but when you take off the 3d glasses then the 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 the, the, the movie becomes very blurry and um, you don't you don't see, you see it. it you're not just missing the depth and the the definition but you're 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 missing the imagery there I, I would just say to you sometimes you know we would hear people and i was talking to one of my spiritual sons here the other day and and he was saying or actually texted me the same thing or emailed it and he says you know he said pastor i used to think that it was wrong to read the bible through any kind of lens and uh but he said now i've i i, I think that it's wrong to read the bible except through the lens of grace And I said, you're absolutely correct. Because when you begin to read the Bible, if you don't have an understanding of of, of the grace of God, that God has always been, always been a God of grace. He didn't, you know, all of a sudden morph into a God of grace in the New Testament. But God has never changed who he is, his attributes, his character, his nature, the things that make God God. God has never changed one bit. He, He said in Malachi, I am the Lord and I change not. Now God's methodology changes in how he deals with us, but God as far as himself and who he is and what he is, has never been altered not one, one bit. you agree with that? Yes. Amen. So there's people that believe that God gives Satan that permission that, uh, you know, to attack us and, and, and they mean that in a good way. They, they feel like, well, you know, it's, it's kind of a, a reassuring thing to them. Well, you know, uh, Satan can't do anything to me unless God gives him permission. But it sure looked like he'd given a lot of permission because there's a lot of people being attacked. Amen? Let me ask you this. Would you give permission for a vicious enemy who is a, whose agenda is this, steal, kill, and destroy, would you give that kind of an enemy permission to attack one of your kids? Oh, so you're better than God then. That's what you just said. If you believe that God does that to His kids. So that actually puts us in a position that we're better than, than God. We wouldn't do something that we accuse God of doing. Uh, why would you believe that God would do this? Well, you know, one thing, we've all grown up hearing this, and, and, and that's not what these verses are saying that I read to you here. Jesus is actually warning Peter of something, and it's not just for Peter. He says that, that Satan is desired to sift him. I don't know if any of you are old enough in here to remember. My grandmother had a sifter, and she'd put flour in there and sift it before she made them biscuits. Anybody old enough remember that? What she's trying to do, she's trying to get rid of particles and things that happened to be in there in the old days in flour that you didn't want to find in your biscuit, something that would break your tooth if you bit into it. And so sifting means to separate. And so what Jesus is telling Peter is that Satan has a plan. And his plan is to separate you from me. That's his plan. And it's not just for, uh, for Peter, but it's also for all of the, uh, uh, the apostles because the, the word you there, Satan is desired to have you. The word you there is plural not singular. So it's, it's a plan that Satan has for, for all of uh, God's apostles. Now listen to me as I read the message translation. Uh, we, we don't have that. We won't put that up. But just listen with ears. Listen to this. He says, Simon, stay on your toes. Satan has tried his best to separate all of you from me like chaff from wheat. That's a real good translation of that. That explains it. So that's what Jesus is telling Peter, that Satan wants to separate you and he's, and he's wanting to do it, not only to you, but to all the disciples. The King James is, says it like this, Satan has desired to have you. And that's a real weak translation, To ask for you. That's like, may I have another you know, glass of tea or something? That's not, what, that's not what's going on here. The word in the Greek actually means demand for trial, to demand for trial. It's like a police officer showing up with a warrant. You know, they might ask you, will you come on out and get in the car? You know, try to be nice about it. But if you say no, then it's going to go into another level. You understand what I'm saying? Because you're going because they, they have a demand for trial. They have a demand for your arrest. you understand what I'm saying? So this is what Satan is doing. He's, he's demanding Peter for trial. Well, how could he do that? How, how could he come and demand for trial or the handing over Peter? Well, you got to remember that this is going on prior to Jesus going to the cross. And you gotta understand that when, when Adam fell in the garden, when he, when he sinned, he gave the authority of this world to the devil. And uh, when God gave the earth to men, he wasn't kidding, he really did give it. Psalm 115, verse 16 says, The heavens, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. You gotta understand that in the temptation of Jesus in the wilderness, Satan says this to Jesus in Luke 4 and 6. He tells Jesus all this authority. Now, he carries him up in a, in a vision or something. Shows him all the kingdoms of the world, it says, in a moment of time and their splendor. And he says, all this authority, I will, authority will I give you and their glory. Look what he says. For this has been delivered, what does it say? To me. And I can give it to whomever I wish. It, it, you know, if it wasn't real, then it wasn't a temptation. Do, do you see? When did this delivery take place? It took place in the garden when Adam handed control and authority of the planet over to Satan in the fall. And so those who insist on this, that God gives Satan permission to attack his children, this is where they get it from. This is where we're going to go. They point to one of the oldest and most misunderstood books in the Bible, to the book of Job, the story of Job. Now chronologically all of us have been told that Job is the oldest chronologically Book in the Bible. Uh, so you've got to keep that in mind when you're reading the book of Job because he didn't have a Bible to flip to. Okay? Uh, we don't really know what all he understood or or what he we understand a lot that he didn't understand because he admits it and says it in his in in the book of Job. But trying to read the Bible, and especially a book like the book of Job, without an appreciation of the grace of God and the completed, finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. If you don't have that in your understanding when you read something, then you're going to leave there really confused. Let let, let me tell you like this, to understand the written word, you need to have a relationship with the living word. In other words, words, you could say something about some people that I really know very very deeply, family members, very, very close, uh, intimate friends, and you could say, uh, well, I saw them doing this and this, and I would go, there's no way. You've got to be mistaken. I remember my my pastor, who still is, Pastor L.A., he said that, you know, somebody comes to you and said, I saw L.A. coming out of the liquor store at 3 a.m. in the morning. He said, I want you to know me well enough to know, well, he was in there getting ice, I'm sure. In other words, don't you know some people close enough, intimately enough, that you wouldn't believe something when someone was to come to accuse them of something? You would know it would be, listen, you know it would be totally out of their character and out of their nature. Now, we're not talking about a human that's fallible. We're talking about God that doesn't change in His character and His nature. And if you don't really know God, see, there's a lot of things I don't understand about the Word of God in the Bible. There's, there's verses that are very difficult and so forth. But, but I'm not going to let one obscure passage change my theology on 20 clear passages. Because if there's 20 that says you're forgiven, I'm not going to get hung up on one that makes me look like I'm not. Or so. You understand what I'm saying? The Word of God is clear. God, the Bible doesn't contradict itself. We just don't understand it sometimes. One of the main reasons we don't is we take it out of context. And I've told you this over and over. You have to see everything in context of time. Who's he talking to? Who's it? Listen, everything in the Bible is written for your admonition, for your instruction, the Bible says. But everything is not written to you. I said it's all written for you, but it's not written to you. And so sometimes if you don't understand that, it can become very confusing. Now, let me just give you a little background. Job lived sometime in time period after the Tower of Babel uh, was destroyed. But he also lived really before uh, Abraham. So somewhere in that time parameter is when Job actually lived and when this takes place in his life. We know that in in the book of Job, he makes mention of Adam. So he had an understanding of who Adam was. He actually refers in one passage to the flood, so he knew about Noah's flood. But that's really about it. He's silent on God's covenant, uh, his Abrahamic covenant with Abraham. He, he's silent on Israel. Uh, he doesn't mention the Exodus, and he does not ever mention the law of Moses because all that has not occurred yet. So in other words, before listen, before the law of Moses came, God dealt with those people in the old covenant Prior to the law, really, he dealt with them under grace. In other words, he didn't, their, their sins, though they sinned and though there was death between Adam and Moses, the Bible says, that, that time frame, God didn't impute their sins to them or their trespasses to them even then because you, you see it you know, exemplified so many times where Abraham lies about his wife and says, She's not my wife. She's my sister. You know just take her to the harem and do what you want to with her basically i mean that's what he did not only did he do it once he did it twice never does god rebuke him for that never does god say hey man it's not good to lie you already done this one time how about not doing this again he never he rebukes pharaoh for trying to touch his wife but he never says anything to them he deals with them in in regard until the law came because until there's a law you can't get a ticket if you don't post a speed limit, they can't write you a ticket. In other words, where no law is, there's no offense. But when the law came, the transgression was made plain, plain and, and clear. So, so the, the problem is, is that religion betrays Job as a perfect, sinless man because of the wording. How it says? He, well, it says, it says that. It says he was upright. He was righteous before God and perfect in all of his ways. It does say that. But all you have to do is read on in the book to realize that he's a sinner. And he sins ferociously. He falsely accuses God. He blames God for his misery and what's going on in his life. He curses the day he was born. He, 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 I mean, he really goes after God uh, verbally. And after a while, we get close to the end of the book, God says, Now, I'm paraphrasing, but you've talked for a while. Now, you shut up and let me talk. All right? And so you, you have to understand that. Why is God saying these, these things? The problem with religion, is it, 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 it views the Bible in a, in a distorted way that glorifies self and the effort of self and effort of flesh, and it diminishes grace. So you, re, religion has always, when I was growing up, portrayed Job. You know, he's a good guy. He's, a, he's just a good, perfect guy, man. He wasn't doing nothing wrong, and, and God's really the bad guy here. And God sends the devil to do his dirty work to Job. Why are so many confused about Job? Because they only read the first chapter or two. Most people, most Christians, I'd say, have not read the whole book of Job, they don't have the energy. They read a couple of chapters, you know, maybe go to the, you know, very end and says, you know, they read that. But they don't read all the things that transpire and all the things that are said the Job's comforters. And it was more than those three guys that spoke to Job. There's a guy named Elihu. He's the only voice of wisdom that ever even spoke to Job. But mostly everything that he said was right on. Uh, You know, it, it talks about in Job 1.1 1, 1, that there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and the man was perfect and upright. He feared God and eschewed evil. That's what the King James Version says. But the book of Job also records the dumb things that people say when they go through hard times. What if we had a recording of me and you when we went through some really difficult times in our life, the things that came out of our mouth? You ever turned your anger toward God? Sure you have you've been alive long you know some of you may have been so afraid to verbalize it but you sure were thinking it god picks up on that just as does as he does your voice you know uh they really said some dumb things job did for example the lord giveth and the lord taketh away i'm going to deal with that one in a second but that's a dumb thing that's not the way god is and listen, just because something is written in the Bible like that doesn't mean that it's true. You ever read the book of Ecclesiastes? You ever read uh, some of the writings? That's why many people believe that Solomon is the actual author of this book. We know it's not Job, even though it bears his name. But we don't really know for sure who wrote the book. But it, it agrees in, in, in form in how it's written with, it, with the writings of, of King Solomon. But, but God sees all these things from his perspective, which is eternity. And, and he sees the beginning from the end, the Bible says, and he knows that Job's going to come through this trial, and he knows that grace is going to radically change Job's life. But Job is not righteous and perfect because his behavior is righteous and perfect. Job is righteous and perfect because God says so, and whatever God says is true. And, and why would God do that? Well, let me ask you this. Why would God go into a man named Gideon, who is terrified, cowering down, hiding from the, from the, the Philistine enemy, and, and, and he, he's, he's uh, uh, grinding bread in a wine press. Okay? Why, why would, and then what does the angel of the Lord say? And that's Jesus, by the way, the, in, the pre-incarnated Christ appearing, the angel of the Lord appears to him, and he, and, he, and he blesses him, and he says, Gideon, you mighty man of valor, the Lord is with you. And Gideon's looking around, trying to see who he's talking to, and realize he's the only one there. So he must be talking to me. And he said, "If that's true, then why are we? In, why? Why? Why has all this happened to us?" You forget to read in the Book of Judges, verse one of that chapter, where it says that they turned and went after the 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 uh, uh, they turned and walked away from God. We we wonder why these things happen to us. Like all of a sudden, it just overtook us. No, you, you took a lot of steps to get to where you are. Listen, I can just keep doing this and keep doing this. Before long, I'm going to be right on the precipice or the edge of this stage. But all of a sudden, I take the next step and I fail. And they go, my goodness, he fell." Yeah, but it took me 10 steps to get here to fall. Y'all ain't going to shout. But it's not God doing it to us. It's decisions that we make. I decided to take that step. I decided to go and make that. And, and so God says that to Gideon. He says, you're a mighty man of valor. And uh, that wasn't true. There was no evidence that that was true. What does God do? God's very prophetic. I don't know if you know that about him. And God's going to always speak to our potential. God's not talking about where you are. He te- he's speaking to you in terms of where he wants you to be. And so when, 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 when why does God's word say that about Job? Uh, even though he sinned again and again. Because God is speaking to your true identity. God is speaking to who you are in Him, and He's not speaking to you according to your circumstances. Clothed with righteousness that, that God gives you, Job is, is not judged as a sinner, but God, God judges him as a righteous man, even though his deeds were far from righteous. That, that's, listen, guys, I can preach grace out of any book of the Bible, because that's what God is. He's a God of grace. And and I'm sure you know that Job was a man who lost everything. Most Christians believe that this is what happened. They believe that God set up Job for an attack by the enemy. They believe that God took Job and and God dangled Job in front of Satan like a pork chop to a hungry bulldog. And then said, sick him. Now don't look at me with that religious face out like you don't know. That's all you've ever heard preached. That God, I, I've heard, I grew up in church. Now, this is what I hear preachers say God, you know, uh, Satan would have never even known Job's name, except God brought it up. God introduced him. I mean, Job, you know, I don't want to be like Job. I don't want God telling Satan my name. You know, all that stuff you'd hear. Anybody besides me heard that preach? It's not true. It's not true. Because if God was to do that to one of his kids, it tells us something about how God is in dealing with his kids. And what that does is not bring peace to me, but brings fear to me. When is it my turn to be dangled like a pork chop in front of a hungry bulldog? Okay? See, this, this uh, well, say, now, Brother Dale, now, come on. Now, this, you know, you know the, let me tell you what this does. This portrays God and Satan in partnership. Do you really believe that? You believe that God and Satan work together on you. The devil attacked Job viciously. And then here's what the church said. This is their favorite words. Well, now God didn't do it, Brother Dale, but he just allowed it. Anybody ever heard that he just allowed it? Same difference. By the way, the Bible calls Satan a thief. But if I allow you to come in my house and steal my TV, guess what? You're not a thief. Because I allowed you. You can't be called a thief if you're allowed. Satan's agenda is clear. John 10, 10. The thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. Anything that's killing, stealing, and destroying, there's no, you don't have, rocket science, that's from the devil. Jesus in that same verse said, but I have come. That's what he does. That's his agenda. But I've come that you have life. And not just eternal life, but life to the full measure here in this earth. Come on, give him some praise. You got to quit getting confused on who's doing what. I hate this, you know, the whole God allowed it doctrine that has invaded the church. It has done more to impugn the name of God than anything that I know of. I've heard statements like this all of my life. Well, I got cancer, you know, but I know the Lord allowed it. You know, his purposes are, you know, God moves in mysterious ways. only thing mysterious is your understanding of God if God wanted to be mysterious he wouldn't give you 66 books called the Bible he wouldn't even give you a book he'd just be mysterious and you just try to figure it out he wouldn't give you the Holy Spirit to live in you which is the teacher and the author of the book not only do you have the book you have the one that wrote it if you don't understand it no better way than talk to the author what did you mean when you wrote this talk to him People says I got cancer and God's, you know, using it for his purpose. He's trying to teach me something. That's ridiculous. It's not only ridiculous, it's blasphemous. God doesn't inflict cancer on anybody. God doesn't put sickness on anybody. And 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 God's not trying to teach anything. Now I didn't say you didn't learn something. I can walk out here in 84, stand in the middle of the road long enough to get hit by a car and lay in a hospital for a year, and I can learn a lot. But none of it was because God was teaching me. Come on now. And by the way, if you try that with the state of Georgia, will not you do your kids like that? If you leave a loaded pistol in your house and that kid picks it up and hurts themselves or someone else, you're, you just committed a crime. Not because you took the gun, you allowed it, though. Y'all just let me know when I say truth in here. See, why you want to get quiet when you accuse God of the very same thing He'll lock you up for in the state of Georgia? It's called child abuse. Notice how quiet it is? sad thing is that with this lie, there's an underlying premise that if you're being attacked right now by Satan, then somehow or another God's got a purpose in it. Somehow God's allowed it. And if God is allowing it, then there's really not a whole lot you can do about it. Because if you even tried to do something about it, you know, you'd really be going against God's will. Right? And yet I see a hypocrisy in the church. These people that believe this and that will get angry with me at my teaching this morning, they believe God allows sickness. He allows these diseases. He allows these things to happen for His eternal good. They'll be the first one at the doctor's office in the morning trying to get it off of them. They believe the doctor is more powerful than God because they don't believe in healing anyway. So they believe the doctor can override God and and actually get this sickness. If you thought the sicknesses were given to you or allowed to come upon you by God, just stay sick as long as you can. Learn all you can. Don't don't take no pill for it. Don't try to expedite the the exit of that sickness. Just stay sick as long as you can. Learn much. I was thinking yesterday, man, I as a pastor, I've been pastoring a long, long time. Man, people talk, I don't believe in healing. I said, man, I see healings every week. He said, what you mean, you every week? I said, ain't no week goes by I don't see healing. Really? I said, every week I see healings. I said, people are too sick to be at church on Sunday? I said, all of a sudden, they're healed on Monday morning, they're back on the job. They were too sick. They couldn't make it to the house of God on Sunday, but you Monday they've been healing. And in fact, I've seen them heal quicker than that. I've met them at the mall on Sunday afternoon. All of a sudden, they were going to be miraculous healing. Saw them at the restaurant that I went to. Don't tell me God don't heal. He heals every week. <laughs> What's so sad about it is if somebody, if you're suffering, There's kind of this thing in the church. If you're suffering, and I mean really suffering, I don't mean with a cold or something like that. I'm talking about when people really go through tough stuff. This is what is the underlying thought process of a lot of Christians. They must have done something wrong. Same thing that Job's friend said to him. God must be punishing them. There's a reason that somebody has that much trouble. got to be a reason. They must have done something wrong. See, that's why that fallacy of not knowing that you have been forgiven 2,000 years ago by the shed blood of Jesus, see, if you don't believe that, see how it opens you up to so much stuff, and guilt, and false stuff, and condemnation, and you're the one that believes in family generational curses, and you're, it sells a lot of books, but it's not in the Bible. Galatians says you've been redeemed from the curse, the law and sin and death. Jesus redeemed us. You'll spend time trying to fight demons and devils. And I'm not saying there's not any around. I'm just saying they don't have any authority over me. Because Jesus in Colossians removed the authority of all principalities and powers and rulers of darkness. If Jesus did disarm them like Colossians 2 says, then why would he turn around and rearm the one he disarmed? I mean, why would he take his weaponry from him and then turn around and give it back to him and say, attack one of my kids with it? that's one of the oldest lies in history that people put on well you must have done something wrong and they can trace it right back to the book of Job and I can understand let me tell you this I can understand how that people come up with this thank you how they come up with this that the devil gets permission from God especially when you read the book of Job but when you when you uh Read the account of Job in the literal Hebrew or the literal translation from Hebrew, such as Young's, notice that, it's Young's literal translation. Not mine, but he's probably kin to me somewhere. But listen to this in in, uh, Job 1 and 8. This is Young's literal translation. Uh, Just listen. It says, And Jehovah saith unto the adversary, Hast thou set thy heart against my servant Job because there is none like him in the land, a man perfect and upright, fearing God and turning aside from evil. So when you read the Young's literal translation, you you, you get a whole different view of what's going on here than you do when you read the King James or the New King James. It's not just that one translation. There's many, but there's another one called Green's literal translation of the Holy Bible. Listen to it. And Jehovah said to Satan, have you set your heart on my servant Job? Because there is none like him in the earth, a perfect and upright man, fearing God and turning away from evil. Question mark. God is asking a question to Satan. The Bible says there was a day that the sons of God came to appear before God and Satan himself came with them. Now, I don't believe that, you know, you got all these guys in righteous robes and all of a sudden there's a guy in a spandex red suit with a pitchfork and a ponytail and horns coming out his head. Okay, that's all fairy tale. Satan comes to appear before God as the son of God and it's like he's going to come through the line of whatever's going on there but God's like, whoa, Satan, come on. I know who you are, and then God says to him. He doesn't dangle Job like a pork chop to a hungry bulldog. He says to him, "I see that you've set your heart on my servant Job. You've got a scheme and a plan to attack him because he's righteous and upright and walks before me in fear. And he turns from evil and from all your your, your temptation. And, and And you're gonna you you, you got a plan. You 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 you're, you want to attack him." And, he, and, and, and the word there in the King James, it says, how have you considered? That's how we read it. Have you considered? The word considered there is set your heart upon. 118 times that Hebrew word is translated set. And only like eight times or something is ever translated considered. And the translators chose to pick that one. Go figure. But Satan had set his heart Upon Job, God's not offering Job as something to attack no more than you would offer or I would offer one of my children to an enemy But God's letting Satan know I know what you're up to And and you say well, why didn't God just stop the devil? Well, he could he, he, he could not he could from power standpoint in other words I'm not saying God didn't have the power But he couldn't in the sense that without violating That he had given the earth to the sons of men and if you don't understand that, they, well, why didn't God stop you from hitting your thumb yesterday with the hammer? I mean, if, you, I mean, if you're going to go in, why don't he stop something, then that, that never ends. Why didn't he stop me from getting the cold? Why didn't he stop my sinuses from being stopped up this morning and aggravating me? I believe I just got mad and stayed home then. I should have stayed home. I mean, why, why, why didn't he stop this or why didn't he stop that? I mean, there's no end to that. You know, if someone, God bless you, gave you a, a home, just gave you a home, here's the deed, signed the mortgage to you, it's your house, here's the keys, God bless you. And you live in the home for five years, and all of a sudden they ride by it one day, and you've painted it, and it was white, and now you've painted it gray. And, you know, and you had this, and you changed this, and changed that, and all of a sudden they pull back up, and they go, wait a minute, wait a minute. And then they go in there and say, wait a minute, you can't do that. He so said, you, you know, I, I gave you this house when it was painted white. You done painted it gray. I see legal. Well, you'd say, well, you didn't give me the house. You see what I'm saying? I mean, you wouldn't, I mean, that'd be an offensive thing to do. It's probably a poor comparison. But God gave the earth to men. He gave it. And, 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 and so that authority, that power, that dominion. And, and listen, I just say this don't have time to get into this long. But if say, God didn't make Satan... God made Lucifer. I said God made Lucifer. Now, Lucifer rebelled against God, and and when, when he rebelled, he was cast out. Now, he was cast out upon this planet, earth. Now, when he was cast out, I know the church has way too big a devil and way too small of a God. That's why David said, magnify the Lord. You can't make God bigger than he is, but you can make him bigger in your eyes. And I grew up thinking you got God here, Satan here, and they're duking it out. You know, it's like Superman and Lex Luger or something. I mean, you know, you've just got your arch enemy. You're, you're going to, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Uh, when, if, if you're, the example I was telling some of them sometimes the other night, it, like if you're the police chief in Valdosta, you have arrest powers, right or wrong. You have power to order other officers to do this and to do that and to go here and to go there You have tremendous power bestowed upon you tremendous authority has been given to you right or wrong, but if you get fired None of that authority goes with you None of that power so if you get fired by the city council, then you no longer have arrest powers Right, you can't give out tickets. You can't command officers to come and go. Is that right? So when Satan, rebe- Lucifer, rebelled against God, he got kicked out and he got cast down and he lost all of his authority. And the proof that he had zero. See, some of you think that you got, he had a supernatural, empowered demon devil. What kind of God would allow his children to be in such a vulnerable position? he had no power no authority and that's why he had to go to the only people on the planet that had any because he had none if he would had it without messing with them he'd have never messed with them. he'd have just dominated them he'd have killed them right on the spot or he'd have destroyed, them. He'd, have destroyed them. he'd have done whatever he couldn't do nothing he had nothing to do nothing with until he was given that authority when Adam and Eve came into agreement with him through the transgression and so in that sense listen Listen to me. In that sense, man made Satan, or at least he empowered him. So let me, here, listen. So what power, what kind of authority and power is Satan using against the human race today? Supernatural, divine, heavenly? No, man's. And if you understood that, if you understood that, the devil wouldn't bother you near as bad as he does because you give him way too much. You, you 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 just, you, uh, you know, anyway, you, you do, we do. And uh, if you're going to clap, go on and clap. Don't give me no patty cake. Come on. <laughs> Don't have to do nothing. Glory. You're not clapping for me, no, how you clap clapping for the word of God and the truth. Well... Uh, you got to understand that God does not control everything. I don't have time to get into this. I've done a whole series on this, whole teaching rather. One of the favorite things in the church is God's in control. I know God's in control. And uh, if He is, then God's responsible for all the evil that you see in the earth, if He's controlling it. Okay? If you got a little RC model car and you're controlling it, or you got one of them RC planes you're flying around and you're controlling it and you fly it into my house and bust my window. I'm going to go, I'm coming to you because you're in control. Right? God is not in control. We can say it like this. If it helps you, God's in charge. But not, not in control. The Valdosta Police Department is not in control of Valdosta. Because if they were in control, there wouldn't be any murders. There wouldn't be anybody getting raped or stole from or hurt or injured no they're in charge though but they're not in control God is not in charge I mean God's not in control of everything that have you say well he is to my life not really because if God wanted a robot he'd have made one God don't want robots God could you understand God could have made a person a human to never mess up uh, you know that always do his will God's not looking for robots Sons and daughters who willingly, freely, love Him. Amen. Amen. So a lot of what happens on the earth is not God's will. That's why we pray, you know, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done on earth like it's done in heaven. Well, that prayer is useless if everything happens as His, you know. God doesn't send, you know, a hurricane. God didn't send Katrina to New Orleans. Preachers, stuff like that happens. They go to preaching like crazy, and they ain't got nothing to preach need to read the Bible where they could preach why just pick on New Orleans I know towns needed worse than that God's not doing that God's not doing that why did Jesus rebuke a storm if every storm is from God when Jesus stepped at the bow of the boat and rebuked the wind and the sea he would have been rebuking his very father and the kingdom divided against itself cannot stand so there are things that happen on this earth that destroy. God don't send tornadoes to tear people's houses and kill people. When I see one of them heading my way, I stand in my yard and I exercise that dominion that I have through Christ. You can say, well, that's stupid. I don't care, I don't care what you say. It ain't your house. You just, you know, you put your head between your legs and Kiss that goodbye, but I'm going to be in my yard saying I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. You will not destroy my home, nor my house, nor hurt my children. Well, what are you going to do, preacher, if it destroyed your house? I'll be at church. I'll be talking to him the next day. i am be saying I'm going to have to learn more. But I won't be accusing him of doing it. God's not a destroyer. God's not a killer. The Bible never says God's in control. Notice a holy hush fall on the crowd. <gasps> he just blasphemed. I've had people get so angry with me over this. You know, preachers all the time on Facebook are posting, "God's in control." I know that God's in control. No, He ain't. God's not control. Jesus said, "It's not my will that any should perish." Everything that happens, not his will. People are perishing. That's not God's will. God's not control. First John five nineteen. This is a New International Version. It says, we know that we are children of God and that the whole world is under the control of the evil one. It's under his control. It's under his influence. And so we know Satan was defeated at the cross. Yeah, but where people yield to him now. Paul said in Romans 6, that whatever you yield yourself to that, you are a slave to that. So you can yield yourself to the enemy. You can yield yourself to that, and you can become in bondage to that, but it's not because Jesus didn't take care of it on the cross. When when God said to to, uh, Satan in regard to Job in Job 1 and 12, God says, all that he has is in thy power. Now, you may believe me on that first one and go, well, I can kind of see where he's, you know, but now wait now, that right there sounds like he just sure enough handed him over there for real. All that he has is in thy power. Let me tell you something. He wasn't handing Job over to the devil. God doesn't make deals with the devil. Listen, he, he was simply stating a fact that because of the fall of Adam, Satan already had authority over Job. Satan already had dominion over the earth and over not only the earth, but the men on the earth. And, and, and so uh, this is, this is demonstrated in so many other places in the Bible. But in Jude 1 and 9, that's New Testament. But remember, it says that Michael the archangel uh, got into it with Satan, and Satan was contending with, with Michael over the body of Moses. Remember that? Well, why do you think that's going on? Why, why do you think the devil is, is contending, fighting against Michael the archangel because he, he, he thinks he even not only has dominion over Uh, Moses but he wants his body it says they were contending over the body of Moses because God decided to do a private funeral remember that God said I'll handle the burial that ticked Satan off he's like wait I have dominion over man and he demanded the body of Moses and so this is how Satan viewed everything And so, here's some things that we need to keep in mind listen to me if you want to believe all that, that's your deal. But I don't because it, 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 that's not who God is and it's not who he says he is in his word. But I would say this to you. First of all, I am not a disciple of Job. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I am not a follower of Job. I'm a follower of Jesus. Listen, Job was the question. Jesus is the answer. Amen? Listen, Job was not saved. Job was not filled with the Holy Spirit. Job had some understanding of who God is, but not every statement that Job said about God was correct. Job uh, thought, like many Christians today, that God was the cause of all of his suffering and loss and pain. God is not the author of your pain, he's the author of your faith and the finisher of your faith. That's why Job said stuff like, the Lord give us and the Lord take away. Really? Is that who God is? That sounds more like a thief to me. If you give me something and then you come and take it away, you a thief. Because if you gave it in the first place, then it's mine. And then if you come and take it, you just took what mine, you the thief. That's accusing, if the Lord giveth and taketh away, then that makes God to be a thief. And I think the Bible already says who the thief is. Huh? Does God give parents children, which the Bible says are a gift from the Lord and are a reward in his heritage, and then take them away? No wonder so many parents will never darken the door of a church again and they hate God with all their heart because they've stood in the church while the preacher preached that God took their child. That the Lord, how many times has this verse been quoted at funerals? The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Because you got somebody don't know God preaching, and they malign and impugn the name of God, God decided that He needed another angel in heaven. How stupid could that be? You ever buried a loved one? You ever had to sit in the in the in the reserve section? You ever had to sit in that section? And then you're going to tell me God did that? But go ahead and worship him anyway. And then next Sunday you're going to tell me he's good. And then last Sunday you told me he took my baby from me because he needed another flower for the bouquet table of heaven. That was real popular at baby funerals. The Lord picked the flower for the bouquet. You know where they got that from? A stupid minister's guidebook. is it? It's a minister's guidebook, not a stupid minister's guidebook, but it's stupid to go buy that book. In case you want to go to the bookstore and the Christian bookstore and buy you one. If you go in there and ask, Can I buy that stupid minister's guidebook? No, just ask for the minister's guidebook, and you'll find those poems and those poetic things written in there, and preachers flip to that, and then they read that because they've lost touch with the suffering of the people sitting there. And they impugn and malign the name of God. Only, I only see God took two people in the Bible. He took them. And both of them he took alive. And that's Elijah and Enoch. So if you're going to tell me God took them, then that means they took one step and just went with no death there. Don't accuse God of what's not in the book. God didn't take them. Well, why did it happen? I don't have the answer to everything. I'm, 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 I'm very comfortable telling you, I do not know. I do not know. But I am, I, but when I, and man, a lot of my life is, I don't know, but so what I have to do in those times, especially, is not focus on what I don't know because that's a pretty big pile. But I got to focus on what I do know and what I do know is that God is good. What I do know is He would never do this. What I do know is what I see in it. See, so I'm going, I'm, I'm going to just anchor on what I do know. Now, if you're still wrestling with those things, believer, you're going to be miserable. You're going to be miserable. You're going to be up one day, down the next. You're going to be in one day and out the next. You're going to be hot one day and cold the next. You don't understand all that. God doesn't do it. Job admitted that he spoke things he didn't understand out of his mouth. Job said that, that in Job 42 and 3, Job said, I've heard, only heard of God by the hearing of the ear. But he said, now my eyes see you. And he said, I abhor or I hate myself. Why did he say that? Because Job hated the wrong opinion that he had had of God. And once he saw God, not, he wasn't, see a lot of people have heard of God. But who'd they hear it from? But they, they haven't really seen him. Do you understand what I'm trying to say here? But when you've seen Him, when you've tasted of the Lord and seen that He is good. See, the reason that we got a lot of folk in church that have heard about God, like Job, but they haven't ever... Tasted of the Lord they've been scared off of experiencing God and not to experience God Listen when you if your Bible study does not lead you into an encounter with God you're you're on a wrong trail buddy This book writes about God But it leads me to God to encounter the living God Jesus told some Bible studiers in in the book of John. I think it's the fifth chapter. He said you search the word You search the scriptures for in them you think you have eternal life. But it's those scriptures that speak of me, and you're not willing to come to me. The purple one on, hallelujah. That was so powerful, this one couldn't even take it. I was preaching in a church where, well, I won't name a church. I'll just say Pam and Billy Ray sitting right there. One of my elders knows this very true and very well. And I was running a revival in another city. And this man came every night to my revival. I was in this uh, different kind of church. A very, you know, evangelical church, whatever. And this is one of them churches when the preacher, we got through preacher, He wanted me to go stand at the back door and let everybody shake your hand, which I'm not really a fan of that, but that's what we did. So people have to say something like, you know, enjoyed it or this or that or whatever, you know. But long story short, this man came every night. One night he shook my hand and he said, I could tell, you know, he's like, well, at least you give me something to think about. (laughs) The next night he said some comment that was about abrasive like that. And then the next night, I was standing there by the preacher and was in the vestibule, and he actually grabbed my hand strongly and pulled me out of the line, over to the side. And I'm like, "Don't we have security around here?" What the He's dragging the evangelist off, and nobody's helping. And he said, "I want to talk to you." And he was just full of anger. He was just full of anger. You want me to switch? <clears throat> That's okay. And uh, he was so full of anger. And, and, and I never had nobody tell me this before. And we stand in the house of God, and he, you know, he just said, he said, he said, he said, I, I've never come to this church before, except this week. I've heard about you. Somebody invited me, and I said I'd come. He said, "So I'm not a member here, but I know a bunch of these people, and they're all hypocrites." That's what he told me. And he was just like spewing out what the old stuff you hear people say. You know, a bunch of hypocrites. And I know this. You know, I see, I see people in there. He said, "You know what?" He said, "Playboy magazine does me better than that Bible." He said, I feel better after I look at Playboy and read that book. That's what he told me. And a part of this old Dale Young flash after you preached and you're tired, I wanted to say, man, leave me alone. I never had nobody tell me that. But that scripture that I just quoted came to my heart. And I said, uh, Jesus said, that there's, and this man was very intellectual. I remember him very, very intellectual. They, I was told very analytical, smart in science and those kind of things. And he said, "I said Jesus said that you can search the scriptures because you think reading that book is where eternal life comes from." But he said that book just points you to Him. He's real and He's a person. And he said, "But they're not willing to come to Me that they have life." I said, Jesus will give you life. And I said, it would be a whole lot better life than playboy to give you. You know what, he didn't say nothing after that. He just kind of looked at me. The next night, he was back again. For the first time, he answered the altar call. And he came and he knelt down. And the pastor went down and got right in front of him. And he received the Lord Jesus as his Savior. He went home, took his clothes off, got in the bed, and died of a massive heart attack. It's very important to tell people the truth. Because it may be your last time to get to say it. And it may be their last time to get to hear it. And not to, not to just be abrasive with people. And even if they're being abrasive with us, they're being short with us because, how ah, Playboy does me better. Well, go watch Playboy then. no. No. The only reason he's in church is because he's searching. He didn't even go to that church, and he wasn't even a member of that church. And in fact, his family heard about, you know, the revival and so forth, and they were so glad he was in church. And by the way, we remember this. The pastor, I mean, anyway, they even wanted me to do the guy's funeral. But I couldn't. I guess I could have, but I had to cancel some revivals and all, so I didn't. And, uh, but that really shook me that night. Pastor called me the next morning early and said that guy went home, took his clothes off, got in the bed and died of a massive heart attack. And he had just received Christ, believed upon Jesus that night. And I believe that with his mind, because spirit truth will penetrate, the heart is where man believes, not with the mind. Jesus, Rama said, with the heart man believes. Let, let me just say this. Job said that I said some things that wasn't right. He actually says, Job says this, he said, I "I spoke things that I did not understand. That's what he said. And, And there's many today that have a wrong opinion of God and who God is. And listen to me, to get the proper view of God and his character, then you only have to look one place and that's to Jesus. Jesus Christ, the Bible says in Hebrews, is the exact express image of the Father. Remember, they said to Jesus, show us the Father. He said, you're looking at him. When you have seen me, you have seen the Father. And so you got, to, you got to start looking to Jesus instead of looking to Job. Okay? Now listen to me. Job is a good book, and it's in the Word of God for a reason. But listen, it is an inaccurate, not in, excuse me, incomplete, not inaccurate, but an incomplete, uh, inferior revelation of who God is. Would you agree with that? I didn't say It was inaccurate. It is accurate, not what Job said about God is accurate, but the book itself, the Word of God, is giving us a view of God if we would see him properly. But Jesus is the proper view of God. Now listen to me, listen to this statement. Anything that you think you know about God or believe about him that you cannot prove in the life of Jesus Christ, call it into question. You hear me? Anything that you think you know about God and who he is, his character, his nature. That you can't prove it or see it in the life of Jesus when he walked the earth. You need to call that at least into question. Can you see Jesus killing people? Can you see Jesus allowing the enemy to hurt people? Because Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus is God in the flesh. And so the Bible tells us this about Jesus. It says, for this purpose, the son of man was manifested that he might do what? Destroy the what? Works of the devil. Why was God gonna get into business with him and partner with him if he came to destroy the works of the devil? You understand this? God's not in partnership with the enemy. I told you Colossians 2 15 says, God disarmed principalities and powers at the cross. God's not gonna rearm them again and turn them against you. The Bible says, the Apostle Paul says that we are in Christ when we're born again. You're in Christ. Can you say amen to the Bible? Okay, so you're in Christ. And that same Apostle also said that we know you not, that you're the temple of God. So why would God give the devil permission to attack his temple? And, and, and if he does do that, then that would be tantamount of the, to the devil asking God for permission to attack Jesus. Because we're in Christ and to attack us, he has to attack Jesus. And if God gives the devil permission to attack me, he's got to attack Jesus first because I'm in him. You should be getting free about right now. I I can almost hear the devil arguing and whispering into people's ears. Don't go running to God about your trouble. He's the one give uh, me permission to attack you. Just turn to the book of Job. and You'll see the proof of it. You don't think the devil will reference verses for you. He did to Jesus. He'll do it for you. Job is not mentioned but one time in the whole New Testament Bible by name. And that's in James 5 and 11. I'm closing with this. This is what it says in the message translation of James chapter 5, verse 11. It says, what a gift life is to those who stay the course. You've heard, of course, of Job's staying power. And you know how God brought it all together for him at the end. That's because God cares. He cares right down to the last detail. Isn't that a good trend? That's good. What God emphasizes there, I mean, if God was going to say, I let the devil do it, that would have been a good place to throw that in there. But he didn't. Listen, from the beginning to the end, it is always Satan's purpose to harm us. And it is always God's will to bless us. Some of you heard me preach this many years ago in Sparks. God good, devil bad. That's my theology. God good. Devil bad. And that theology will spare you much trouble. At the end of the book of Job, in the 42nd chapter, Job has lost, you know, he had lost everything, of course. Not only possessions, but more than that, his kids. His family. And even the support of his wife for a while. And, uh, we know Job lived during that patriarchal time frame like you know, Abraham and those, those patriarchs because he lived almost 200 years old when he died of old age, full of age and blessed of the Lord. Job, I don't have time to go into so much in the book of Job but in the sixth chapter of Job, <clears throat> I think it's the 15th verse, but Job says, referring to his natural blood brothers, he said, they are as dependable to me as a stream in the desert is In other words, if a stream popped up in the desert Because you had a little rain shower But don't go back next week and try to get a drink out of that stream Because it won't be there Job said, that's how my family's been to me They hadn't been there when I needed them So when the crisis hit and all this trouble hit Everybody kind of stayed away from Job Even his own blood kin Because they didn't want to get hit While well, God's doing the hitting, they think Okay And then you get over to the last Book of Job, the 42nd chapter It says Actually in the King James it says The Lord turned Job's captivity You Remember reading that in the King James That's what it says, turned his captivity the, the, what, that, what that Is, is God saying everything That was taken captive From you, I'm returning it if, if it's been taken captive That means nobody had permission to do it Jesus said I have come to set the prisoner and the captive both free. If you're a prisoner, you've done the crime, you're just doing the time. God says, I still come to set you free. If you've been taken captive, you were minding your own business and innocent and not doing anything wrong and here comes the devil. He takes you captive. When a little kid gets molested, when a little five year old gets molested, they didn't do nothing. They were taken captive. They were hurt. They were wounded emotionally and physically, and they were wounded. Jesus said, I've come to set the captive free. And even if you've done the wrong and you're doing time for the crime, I come set you free too. I come set all of you free. It is for freedom that Christ comes to set us free. Can you, can you just say amen to that? Now, now, let me end with this. After Job got double, they like to say in the old church, you know, the brother got double for trouble, you know what I'm talking about? But he ret- God returned to him every blessing that the devil had taken from him. And then it says this, in that verse that's in 42, and that's in verse 10, it said he returned his captivity, he returned everything actually says in that verse, he prayed for his friends. Man, what kind of friends were those three guys? Friends like yeah, you don't need a devil. But he prayed for them anyway. And then it says that the Lord gave him. Gave. I've heard people teach that in church, like, because Job prayed for his friends, God gave him double. Well, if, then it's not a gift then. Then Job earned it. It was a paycheck. No, no No, no This is not This is not doing something And getting paid for it Job did pray for his friends But he's not getting a paycheck God gave him All these things And Then it says this then The next verse In verse 11 Starts off with then Then his brothers You ever had? You ever run into some money And then your family show up you, Anybody got family like that Don't just look straight ahead We won't know They might be in here all of a sudden, you, you know, I remember when we was in high school, daddy bought us a ski boat, you know, for the family. Man, I had more high school buddies. I didn't know I had high school buddies like that. I was a senior in high school. And we had a boat. We'd go out and read Bingham and ski. Everybody, I'm like, dad, when are we going to the lake, bro? I'm like, I ain't, who are you? I don't even know you. That's kind of what Job's brothers did. All of a sudden, brother got all this money again, and he says that they were there eating in his house. Drinking his wine. They brought a little housewarming gift. And they all piled back in there then. And, and listen to me. Listen, because you'll get confused. I don't even know if they have the verse up. Is that it? I hope I'm quoting right verses. And it says, uh, then all, then, see there? Then, kind of hard to read up there. Then all his brothers and all of his sisters and all those who had been his acquaintances before. Well, where are y'all at when I'm hurting? Y'all ever had people do like that, drop you like a rock when you're going through tough times? they have been their acquaintance before, but they wasn't his acquaintance when he was scraping sores with broken pottery. Came to his house, ate his food with him in his house. They consoled him. You don't need no consolation there. They consoled him. Look at what it says, though. And comforted him for all the adversity that the Lord had brought upon him. And each one gave him a silver and ring of gold. Now, let me help you with something right here. Because I know some of you dear ones in here, and I love you. God bless you. I mean that sincerely. You're going to go and read the whole book of Job next week or a couple weeks. And I'm for that. Do it. Do it. But just like when you read this, you, you can say, well, that undermines. It says right there that the Lord is the one that did it. No, that's what his brother said. That's what that verse is telling you. That, his brother said that. And I've gone to church with a whole lot of brothers and sisters who will eat God's food, drink his communion, take his blessing, and then while their mouth is full, say, God does evil. God brought the pain. God gave you cancer. Just hang in there, brother. He's trying to teach them. all that kind of stuff. I don't need no brothers and sisters lying. I mean, we love them, but I'm not going to listen to their teaching. I'm not going to get my theology about God from the book of Job. It's it's going to help me because I can still see the grace of God in the book of Job and how God dealt with him and how God was patient with him as Job went through those trials and the enemy. But let me tell you something. Once that cross got here and Jesus shed his blood, then Jesus says, I have taken the keys. Keys means the authority. He took that back from the enemy. And we are no longer under the thumb of Satan. Satan has no dominion over mankind, to, only to the degree that mankind submits willingly to the enemy. Do you see that? Jesus Christ has set us free from that. That's the grace of God. And it's a gift, just like what he did to Job. Can you not see the grace of God? Listen, I don't know what you're going through. Some of you could be sitting here, and there'll be some listening to this podcast. Man, going through terrible, tough, suffering times. But God is not the author of your pain. God is not behind it. And God's not doing that to you. He loves you. and He has forgiven all the sin of the world. Mike, sitting right here. Wave your hand, Mike, so they know I ain't making you a Precious man. And he, he was just telling me a while ago, he said, my son lives what what, what, what town? Indianapolis. And, and, he, and he said he was sharing with his son that, that verse in 2 Corinthians where it says that God was in Christ reconciling the sins of the world. Unto himself, not imputing their sins against them. And he just told me just now, he said, My son said, Dad, my, it, 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 what do he say? My, my head is about to explode. Just reading that one verse. He said, I was never taught that. And Mike said back to him, What'd you tell him? He said, What do you think about me? 70 in my 70s, and I've been fed all this stuff. All my Christian life. That God was punishing me for my sin. That God was judging me. That God was paying me back for my decisions that I made five years ago, ten years ago, twenty years ago. And all that was a lie. Because God was in Christ. And God said, I will take care of the sin problem. I will bear the punishment. You know that verse that says, Jesus said, if I be lifted up, then I will draw all men unto myself. You know most preachers of all my life. That just means if you preach Jesus, everybody will come. Really? Now, that ain't how it works. Look at context. Jesus just got through Tetulum in the verses above it. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suffer. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going I'm, I'm, I'm to take upon the sin of the world. And then the next verse he said, And then it, when I am lifted up, I will draw. Listen, all. Your Bible has got a little word called men, and it's italicized. I'm not sure. What does that mean, church? It means it's not in the original language, right? It was added by the translators. Bad ad. Bad ad. Because what Jesus said, when, when I am lifted up, I will draw all to me. Not talking about people. God, he's, in the context, he said, I'm going to draw all of the judgment. All of God's wrath. All of God's anger. All of God's judgment will be drawn to me. I'm going to bear it all. So if Jesus bore your sin punishment, when you're going through tough times now, never believe the lie that, because God's paying me back for what I did wrong. You hear, you hear me? I have to always balance it because I, I get too much mail. I'm not saying sin doesn't matter. And I'm not saying that there's not consequences for sin. I urge you not to do it, saint or sinner. Sin wages is death. But I'm telling you that God is not behind your pain, your suffering, your affliction, your disease, your trauma. He's not causing your kids to go crazy. He's not causing you to lose your job. He's not taking your business from you. He's not doing any of those things. But the devil loves to accuse God. And I'm here to stand up for my daddy that I know personally. And God said in the old covenant, talking about the new covenant. I was angry with you, but just for a moment. But then God swore and said, I will never, ever be angry with you again. And I grew up in church around people giving out words and prophecies about an angry God. They were lying in the church house. God is not angry because his wrath has been appeased through Jesus' death. Will you say amen and receive the word of God today? Stand to your feet, please. Hallelujah. Give God praise for his word and his grace.